Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. So I'm a father of what? I got to find a babysitter. I found Karen.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Karen.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your childcare necessities, check out Care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your childcare needs. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Call you right now, early in the game. I know with two outs around you just doing this. We're doing it right now. Your ball's going deep. Go get a bat, OB, I'm telling you. What? Swing at a high fly ball, deep left field. What? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Oh, my. Kevin Millar, stick around. Red Sox lead it three to nothing. And Millar called it seconds before it happened. I'm telling you, OB, that's just not a great matchup. We got a big pull, right-handed power, Adam Duvall. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I know, I know it felt weird. It was the first inning with two outs, It was, but I had to go out there and do it. Hey, everybody. It's not every day that you get the home run call a day where it's a prediction and a prediction that actually comes true. Adam Duvall going deep. Kevin Millar saying that Adam Duvall's going deep. And sure enough, there it happened. There you go. It's science. Millar predicts it. It comes true. Dave O'Brien, Kevin Millar on the call as Duvall goes deep for the Red Sox in Houston. Well, it's going to be a great day. Yesterday was a great day. Tomorrow's going to be a great day. But today's also going to be a great day. Thank you, everybody. At BB Isn't Boring. At BB Isn't Boring. Twitter, Instagram. Go to the socials. Producers Evan is doing a fantastic job. Yesterday... Great day on the podcast. Mike Monaco just absolute nails telling tales from Williamsport from college from the Little League World Series. Also, Eric Arditi from Barstool in Baltimore 
giving the what's what when it comes to the Orioles and the Orioles fan base and the hey owner, let us give you the stiff arm so we can enjoy this World Series run. And today, today is a good one once again. Our great friend, our brotherhood in arms at 2400 Sports, Brett Boone of the Brett Boone Podcast. Brett Boone of the Brett Boone Podcast jumps aboard for the first time. First time. I can't believe it. But he's so good. And you should go check out his podcast, the Brett Boone Podcast. A ton of great guests. And obviously, Brett is really, really good integrating himself into this whole media landscape, which, by the way, is like something we talk about. But we also talk about the Mariners. They've won seven in a row. And you talk go back to 2000, 2000, 2001. Yes, 2001. And as we said, on this day in 2001, the Mariners had won 92 games already. All right, so what does it all about? How can we spin this forward to it actually meaning something to the here and the now? Well, does running away with something, does running away with a trip to the postseason and the regular season help hurt you, whatever it is? Well, Brett has a great perspective of that. Having gone through that 2001 seri- season, also he has a great perspective of just the Mariners. The Mariners as a whole, they've won seven in a row. They are, they are the, one of the most interesting teams in this playoff push. There's no question about it. What Jerry DePoto, front of the program, Jerry DePoto did at the deadline, we had him on. Go listen to that. We had him on talking that week leading up about what he might or might not do, and we all know what he did now. Whatever he did is right. So Brett has that great perspective, and, of course, Brett talks about his brother Aaron, his brother Aaron's plight in New York with the Yankees. A passionate, a passionate statement slash analysis about the Yankees and Brett and Aaron Boone from Brett Boone. It's all good, man. It's all good. We appreciate it. Like I said, at BB isn't boring. And thank you, FanDuel, for being part of, we talk about brotherhood for being part of our brotherhood, being part of our equation, helping power us through the season. So good. Also, a damn near perfect game. We're going to have a contest. We love contests. Joe Kelly has a couple tickets he wants to give away, so we're going to do that. Stay tuned for that. Go to the go to the socials to check that out at BB is important. All right, here you go. We're going to keep them coming. Brett Boone of the Brett Boone Podcast. On our podcast. All right. There's nobody I'd rather have on. An Odyssey brother. A 2400 <laughs> sports brother. Brett Boone of the Brett Boone podcast. Oh, man. It's, it's, uh, it, feels, it feels like a long time coming, Brett. But uh, thank you so much for coming on. You got yeah. it, Rob. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. What do, you got for, what do you got for me today? I got, I got the Mariners. I got Mariners. the base. Wow. I got the Mariners. I got the... Um, the pennant races. I got the great game of baseball, but I told you said I had a stat. And it's not really a stat, but on August twenty second, two thousand one, how many wins did you think you guys had? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> August twenty. All right, let me uh, uh, completely have no clue. I'm going to ballpark this. All right, I believe Atlanta going into today, uh, best team in baseball. I believe Atlanta going in today has 80 wins. Okay. 
So I would guess, let's see, we got another month. I'm going to go 25. We've got 91 wins. Today. Oh, <laughs> you're that. You're good. You're good. 90. Well, 92. Oh, 90. 91. As we take this, as we take this 91, you're absolutely right. I, and I, it, it was the easiest for me. I figured we'll win another five this month and roughly 20 next month. So that, that's how I came up with my formula. There was no magic to it. I just know that I know, I know the 116. That's where we got to. Yeah. yeah. And I think we took it for granted. It should have been 117. <laughs> really? I think we kind of mailed in the last game of the season. But, uh, uh, I don't know. You guys went on a run. You know, like I was looking it up the, the, that September. It wasn't like you, you took the foot off the gas. I mean, it well, was crazy. Well, I laughed because a year ago, you know, the Dodgers had that unbelievable season. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, people were asking, what do you think? You think they're going to break your record? And I laugh at them. I said, that record, we'll never see it in my lifetime. I mean, that was something we were on a magic carpet ride to this day. Uh, the players, you know, the players from that team, when we get together, we talk about it and we laugh. It's like it was like it was out of our control. It, it, we were a really good team, uh, but I don't know that anybody's a 116 good team. It's just it, it was a once in a lifetime thing. We caught lightning in a bottle. Everybody had um career years at the same time and it, it was just one of those things the only thing and and this is what i i hate about it it is what it is but whenever i'm asked about that team and that that one run it always has a negative connotation because the expectations were so outrageous at what we did it's oh well of course and and i think even internally with the players it's like, yeah, this is just our year. You know, I mentioned it's a magic carpet ride. This is just our year. And uh, we just, it's a formality going to the postseason. It's a formality. Our first round was Cleveland Indians. And we didn't particularly play well, but we won. And we knew we were going to win. And then it was a matter of, okay, we've got to go to New York and, and handle that business. It's not a matter of whether we lose, win or lose. We're going to win. And then we're going to go to the World Series. And we have to play the, the series to, to collect the trophy. And that's what we and and you know what, Rob, I don't say it from uh, and I've mentioned this a lot of times before. It wasn't arrogantly, if if that makes sense. It was yeah. just kind of no, it's just the way it is. It's just this is too good to be true. You got to pinch us on a daily basis. But this is already a foregone conclusion. We win the World Series. We go off into the sunset. They talk about this team for the rest of time. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't it wasn't meant to be. It just shows you. This game of baseball is so fickle at you just never know. And, and you do this on a daily basis. Uh, you know, I'm getting on this side of the media now and I and I crunch these numbers and I look at games and I look at how it's uh, piecing out. And it's like sometimes it makes no there's no rhyme or reason to it, you know, and, and you have buddies or, or people in the industry say, well, Brett, you you're going to know better than most people. Yeah. And I laugh at them. I said, if I knew what was going to happen. I would go to the bank, take out a million dollars, just go sit in Las Vegas and, and be done with the rest of it because I know so much, you know, it would be that easy to pick. So <laughs> that's what makes the game great. That's what makes on paper on paper. But uh, yeah, one an unbelievable, <laughs> you know, an unbelievable run in 2001. The only thing is, man, we just didn't finish. That. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I, I, I didn't want to, you know, bring up the, solely these good and bad memories of that, but it just it, when I saw that number, I was like, "Holy crap!" And I was there's a couple of things though you said that correlates to what 
is going on now. And one of which, Justin Turner, I talked to, you mentioned the Dod- that Dodgers team, 111 wins last year. Mm-hmm. And Turner says to me, I don't know, this was a couple months ago, maybe when the Rays are really rolling. And he said, listen, you know, like lesson that we learned. No, I know what it was. It was actually, he went to the Boston Bruins game. The Bruins set the record for most wins. They get bumped in the first round. Mm-hmm. And he went to that game and he said, I looked down at Patrice Bergeron and I saw, I said, that was me. That was me. And he said, my lesson from that was that there is some element to, to be said for having to compete all the time to get there. Now, I understand what he's talking about, but at the same time, as you said, Brett, you won all those games and you win the first round. But I would want to ask you that. Is there anything to that? Is there anything to having to fight and crawl and scratch a little bit, not to the point where you're injured, to get to the point so that you feel like the desperation isn't all of a sudden coming out of nowhere in postseason? I think there is something to it. I think the game's different than it than it's been throughout history. Uh, you know, let's just go. I don't want to go too far back, but let's go back to my, say my dad's generation, which is the seventies and the eighties. Um, there were two teams from each league that got to the postseason. It was one round of playoffs and then the World Series. Now, much harder back then. Uh, to get to the postseason. Obviously, you had to win. There were two divisions in each league. You had to win your division, and then the divisions face off, and then there's a World Series. So there's one round of playoffs to get there. Uh, But the grind of the 162 became uh, the most important thing. The game's not like that today. 162 is not that important. You've got to be a quality team. You've got to play well, but you don't have to kill it. You don't have to be the Atlanta Braves, what they're doing this year uh, to get a seat at the table for the postseason. There's 12 spots. It's the easiest it's ever been in the history of baseball to get to the postseason, but I think it's the toughest time ever in baseball. Once you get to the postseason, you got, you got to go through three landmines to mm-hmm. get to the World Series, and I think recent history is proving that. I think a year ago, the Phillies are fighting and clawing to get there, and they're two two wins away from winning the World Series a year ago. Yeah, so I think there is some some definite credibility to what Turner says about the grind. Uh, I had someone on the podcast, and this has been six eight months now. But Timmy Salmon, who I played a lot of games against in that American League West in the early two thousands, mm. he was with the Angels. They won in 02. and he said, "Booney, I'll tell you, there's something to that." He said, "We were in a dogfight." Uh, for a month before we even got to the playoffs just to get to the playoffs. And he said, we got to the postseason and all these teams that were comfortably in that, that had, had won the division handily. He said, they're waiting for us kind of in a standstill. We're already loose. We've been in this fight. We've been in postseason mode since the beginning of September. So we didn't miss a beat and they weren't ready for us. And we got all the way to the World Series and ended up winning the World Series. So I, I definitely think there is something to that. Um, the two best examples are the Phillies of a year ago and the, and, examples. The, and the Dodgers of a year ago. They got they get bumped by an 89-win San Diego Padre team that was vastly inferior to them uh, on paper. There's that on paper again. But that Dodger team of a year ago, that's one of the best. That's one of the best put-together teams, I think, in a lot of years. And when you know it, Padres come in and knock them off early. So, I know, and this, and you know, I go back to 
there's a lot of examples like this. Well, 2000, we had, um, had Dave Martinez, Davey Martinez on 2019. Obviously, that story about the Nationals being so bad and then coming out and then yeah. end up winning the World Series. 2021, Adam Duvall comes on and he said, same sort of thing, three games under 500, the trade deadline, and boom. I mean, there's – I as you say it, like what Turner said, hit home, but as you talk about it, about how – comparing it to the old days, which, you know, like, I, right. can, I mean, this is, it's a fact, right? This well, is the I, easiest. And this is what brought it to me. Uh, you know, I was watching baseball classic and it still comes up to this day. I was a little kid. I remember it vividly. I mean, some of my best memories uh, are as a kid, you know, growing up in Philly, watching dad on those Phillies teams. And it was 1980. They won the world series that year. They beat the Kansas city Royals. Uh, but leading up to that was that Houston Astros 1980 battle between the Phillies and the Astros mm-hmm. and unbelievable games. Every every game was came down to the wire. And I was watching that on, on uh, MLB Classics the other day. And I just thought, wow, they just had this one series. Now, all of a sudden you're in the World Series. And, uh, you know, <laughs> then you you fast forward it to today's climate, today's agenda. And it's like, Wow. If you get in last minute, you got to win. Now it's a best of three. I, I, I really think that was good for the game, getting rid of that one game. Uh, but it's a best of three just to get to the next set of playoffs. Then you got another playoffs. Then you got the the, the league championship. So it, it's a lot of landmines. But I think, you know, you'll have those guys come on and say, well, I like the way it used to be. Yeah, yeah. They, they, there's a lot of arguments from a purist standpoint how it used to be is better i think to find the overall champion i think the way it was 50 years ago was definitely better yeah because that 162 really proves who's that best team over that long haul and you couldn't get in by chance uh that being said i think from an entertainment value i think for the good of the game i think for cities around uh the United States, it keeps teams in a lot longer. You know, 50 years ago, right now, uh, three quarters of, of the cities that MLB has a team in is talking football right now because oh, their team's long done. Absolutely. Whereas for the good of the game, for the good of the game that, that I've, that's been a, such a big part of my, my life, man, everybody's still in it. You know, with the exception of the Oaklands and the Kansas Cities, the Washingtons, they, they, they don't know that they're not going to the postseason. But, man, there's still a lot of teams in that central and the National League Central. You got the Cubs and Cincinnati still have a chance 20, 30, 40 years ago. Oh, uh, they're talking about next year. All right. We're talking about the Bengals and we're talking about the Chiefs. Now they're saying or, or I'm sorry, not the Chiefs. You're talking about the Bears. But now they're thinking, wait a minute, these Cubbies might get back in. So uh, I think it's great for the game. I think it's great for growing the game uh, from from a global standpoint. I think it's unbelievable. It keeps so many people uh, more involved and more in tune. And, and that's all you need as a fan, isn't it? Is Oh, yeah. Just, just yeah. tell me we got a chance. Just oh, tell me we got a chance. It's great. Listen, I mean, yeah. the Padres are like, you know, they're like, <laughs> we have a chance. Until right. could, you, could, you, could you imagine the Padres? Let me look at the Padres right now. They're 18 oh. games out of the division. Yeah. Uh, L.A.'s, you know, kind of running away with that. But you look at the wild card. Uh, for the Padres, they're six out. Right, and they're still and they're like, oh, well, you know, it right. may be. 
maybe. Right. They're 59 and 66, and they're saying we got – so you're saying we got a chance. It's ridiculous on one on one foot, but on the other, it's great for the game. So one of the other things you said about the, the – like we never know what's – we never know. We would, Like you said, we, people say, well, you should know. And like, no, we don't know. And one of the things that we don't know about is a trade deadline. I've just – we've gone through this for the last couple of weeks, right? We love to grade the trade deadline. We love to say that team won, that team set up, and how dare they not do anything, so forth and so on. This is another thing that we just don't know. It's we have we can't have opinions, but we don't know. The Mariners are the perfect example of this, right? The Mariners are actually a perfect example of everything we're talking about. Where you know you have a team who is they they obviously have a ton of hope out of nowhere, but also I don't know what the vibe was around for you when the trade deadline when they trade when they it seems like they're sellers and then all of a sudden now i don't know if the poto just knew his roster well enough that these guys could slip in here and we would take off i don't know but what was your perception of that at the time that they they executed the path they took well, my job is to to analyze the situation and give my best take. That's not always easy. And and at that trading day, and let's just focus on the Mariners. Uh, Jerry Depoto's in a tough position because they were in no man's land. I mean, they're sitting there. What do we do? Do we buy? You know, there's certain teams that we know we're sellers, and there's certain teams we know we're buyers. It's clear cut at that stage of the season. That's the easy job. Being a, being a general manager in that position, but being in no man's land, being a cub at the deadline, being a mariner at the deadline, it's like uh, we're not really mathematically out of it, but it doesn't look great. How can you forecast? Oh, we're going to we're going to rattle off eight in a row. We're going to lose three heartbreak losses, by the way, in the middle of that with Kansas City and Baltimore. And then we're going to win six in a row again. And by the way, when we wake up today, we're going to be in the in the postseason if it, if the games ended today. Uh, definitely awesome for the for the uh, for Seattle and and for the for the Northwest. The excitement this Mariner team has given you, but definitely a tough position Jerry was in. And he out he actually, if you look at it, it was a soft sell at the deadline for yeah. they they got rid of their their closer. You know, and 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 you've got it. You've got a. It's a tough position, and I, and I don't want to cheapen it by saying, "Oh, how can you do this? How can you do that?" Well, get in that chair, and then and then we'll see. So Jerry Depoto's chair, I'm thinking about, and it's like, what does he do? It was a soft sell, but he's also got to take into consideration the personnel, that roster. What's going to happen when I trade our closer right now? How is that going to affect that group of men in that room? Those 26 guys. Are they going to fold the tent? Is this going to be a rallying cry? Who knows? That's up to Jerry and and living with these guys on a daily basis, seeing what makes them tick, reading people, knowing individuals, because certain teams will fold the tent. Sure. Certain guys will fold the tent. Certain guys will find fall, find that as a rallying cry. And go, yeah, I'm going to do, watch what I do to spite you. You've got to know your personnel. Obviously, whatever he did. He hit the right button because the Mar- they're dangerous. I mean, they won nine. They won ninety games two years in a row, and they've always they've made that one year they got in the playoffs, one year they didn't. But the commonalities in both seasons were there was a late push, and there was a lot of excitement up there. Well, here's their late push. They've won sixteen out of twenty. The only team that's hotter than them, you could argue, is the Dodgers. Right? Uh, they've won. They're seventeen and three in their last twenty games they just came off rattling off 10 in a row so uh those are the two hottest teams in baseball the thing about this team 
you know, Houston's been there. You've got to respect Houston. You've got to respect that, that franchise in the last six, seven years, what they've done. This Texas Ranger team's for real. They're good. They need to get a Baldy back. But this Mariner team is dangerous. Mm. I, for my money, that starting rotation is as good as any in baseball. You got Castillo at the top. You go, you go Kirby, who's going to win a Cy Young one day. You go Gilbert, and then you go Miller. Woo, that bullpen is really solid. Like I said, I wish Seawald was still on that team. <laughs> you know, if I'm if I'm playing sure. my fa- my my Seattle Mariner fanboy, uh, I wish Seawald was still on that team. Guys are getting hot at the right time. Look at what Julio Rodriguez just did. Oh. I saw that number. You know, I've been paying attention, and I said he went four. He got four hits again. Is that a, is that you know? Am I reading yesterday's box score? Because big leagues isn't that easy. You get four hits once in a month, you're getting it done. You do it twice in a month. Oh my goodness! You do it four times in a week. It's one of the most ridiculous stat lines I've ever seen. 17 hits in four games. How are you still pitching to this guy? We, I, Julio, with Julio. So I love this conversation. This, this actually came up in 2005. Theo Epstein was on hiatus. He went to a charity event and he was asked by someone and said, if you could start a franchise with one player, who would it be? And he picked Felix Hernandez. Good choice, right? At the time, 2005, good for him. So I love that question. And so when I've been asking that question in the last two years, I say Julio Rodriguez. So I went up to Julio when he came in through, and I said, okay, I have this. And I say, you. I'm like, who would your guy be? You know what he said? Who? Julio Rodriguez. <laughs> you know why? Because like he said, it. I know Julio Rodriguez. I know what he is. I'm a, I can't argue with that. That's yeah. a gr- great answer. It's a great answer. And and Julio, when he came on the scene last year, I mean, he went to spring training. You didn't even know if he was going to make the team. I don't think he was projected to make the team. Whatever they saw in spring training, obviously, <clears throat> they were right. He made the opening day roster. He got off to a really rough start. I remember watching him going, oh, man. By midseason, I was watching this kid play. And there's certain guys, Rob, that, that come to the big leagues, and, and I'm a big proponent of, okay, I saw that. I need to see it again. Because most young players, uh, I've seen them. They're a dime a dozen. They come on the scene. They're hot. Two years later, nowhere to be found. But there's certain talents that last year when they ended up signing him to that big deal, that was enough for me. And people said, you know, Booney, uh, you usually need to see a lot more. You're, you're a tough critic. I said, well, I've seen enough with Julio. Because there's certain talents that don't go away. Julio's one of those. Robert Acuna Jr. is another. Uh, Fernando Tatis, I know he's had his struggles. I know there's uh, struggles off the field. But that talent doesn't go away. There's certain guys where it doesn't go away. A Vladimir Guerrero Jr., when a couple of years ago he had an MVP caliber year. Last year he had a really solid year, but it was an MVP. And I said, that's the type of talent I'm talking about. When you don't have your best year, uh, a Bryce Harper when you don't have your best year, you're still an all-star. You just might not win an MVP, but you're still an all-star. Julio's talent, that doesn't go away. So when they signed him to that, uh, I was sold. I said, this is this is a once-in-a-generation once talent. This is a Griffey-type talent. Now, I'd be careful, too. I don't want to put expectations on him and say, you know, a Griffey Jr., one of the greatest players to ever play. But, but you know what I'm saying, in that mm. breath, the talent level. It, it just is one of those generational things and now how unbelievable of a career he has that's completely up to julio but i love that answer that he gave you yeah it's a good one who, who would your guy be 
I think the guys I mentioned, I, I, I don't think you could go wrong with an Acuna Jr. Yeah. to start. Uh, but Julio's definitely in that conversation for me. You know, the Mike Trouts. Uh, yeah, well, that, the, that the, the, the Otani one is interesting <laughs> because I didn't pick Otani because of his age, right? And I'm like, oh, right. well. Right. You're always right. You tend to right. want to go, ah, let's go with a 22 or Right. And Buster, Buster only had a good point. He said, well, if he stops pitching, he's going to hit. If he stops hitting, he's going to pitch. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know, and I, I always like to start a franchise with a position player. Yeah. You know, I think that's that's better for the argument. But uh, Julio is is definitely not a bad choice. <laughs> you know, I look at it. It's like, wow, this kid's really good. He's going to be doing this for a long time. Uh, Tatis, you know, I still think Tatis – from a just a talent standpoint, it's really tough to argue with him. Uh, off the field, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. He, he's gone through a lot at a young age already, and and I'm not that quick uh, to really judge young players, 22, 23-year-old guys. I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt and say, I think back to when I was 22 and 23 and how I was mm-hmm. and how much I had to learn. So I, I tend to give guys the benefit of the doubt when they're young and, and I'm not very critical. It's like, we all make mistakes. We do s- silly things. Uh, we say outrageous things. And, and then years later, we kind of look back at that 21, 22 year old kid and say, man, he had a lot to learn. I'm glad I got my butt kicked. I'm glad I got humbled by this game. And, and the fact that you get back up and you go on. So uh, yeah, it, it the young guys, you know, and every and, and man today in this world with Twitter and <laughs> there's no holding back on anybody no. at any time. <laughs> and a lot of times I have to remind people, I said, you know, that gentleman you're talking about is 21 years old. He's a <laughs> child. He's a child. Give him a break. Now, if he's 30 doing the same stuff. Well, now he's open season. But but when you're young, it's like you remember what you were like when you were 21, 22. Oh, man, so. And the fact that these guys are in the big leagues uh, with a contract hung on their neck. And I and I say hung, hung on their neck. I don't want it to sound negative that, yeah. oh, too bad that you have a 200 million plus uh, deal that you signed. <laughs> you know, that's not tough. But there are expectations and there's a level of critique that comes with that that doesn't come with your normal big leaguer getting there. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Podcast. 
Uh, two last things. The last thing I'm going to ask you is about your excellence and your evolving into podcasting in the media. Um, but we have a segment that we do is called Relatively Speaking, and it's it's we have on relatives. And I know that you've had your brother on, and I'm not. It, the only question I have is from your perspective, and this may be even with your dad of going through. In the baseball world, how difficult is it? Because you talk about, like, you have so many successes and you have so many failures. And as we're taping this, your brother's going through a tough losing streak. But from your perspective, is it, have you gone through it enough where you know, hey, listen, you know what? I feel bad, but it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Good times are around the corner from just a relative's perspective. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I've, I've, uh, you know, I've watched my dad as a kid growing up. I watched him win a World Series. I, I watched him have his heart broken with that Angel team uh, when when Dave Henderson hit the home run when they were one strike away from from going to the going to the World Series. I've seen that. I've seen the ups and downs. I've had my own in my career. You know, ninety nine with the Braves getting to the World Series, getting whooped by the New York Yankees. That two thousand one team, obviously, that we talked at length about, uh, and having that disappointment. So. I look back on my life so far and I say, man, I've had so many blessings. What a childhood I had. What a career I got to enjoy. The people I've met, the, the, the contacts I've, the places I've gone, the things I've seen. Uh, I've had a lot of heartbreaks, but I've also had a lot of positive experiences that I wouldn't trade for the world and, and feel lucky about and humble about to this day that, can you believe I got to do this, 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 this? You know, uh, those those ha having a grandpa that I got to have 32 years of my life with that would tell me the Ted Williams stories over and over and over and tell me how Bob Feller is better than Randy Johnson. And I'd have to tell Graham, shut up. <laughs> I'd love to have one of those one more conversations with Gramps about that. But the fact that I got that and I got some insight to what it was like to be in the big leagues in 1947 from a grandfather that lived it let alone getting to live my dad's career, getting to play with my brother in 1998. Uh, man, I, I had so many things that I got to do. And yes, I feel for Aaron right now. I go through it. I, I have, we're oil and water. You know, we both love the game. We, we both are passionate about the game, but we're oil and water as far as personalities go. Aaron's a lot like my father. Man, he worries about stuff and he gets to the ballpark at 12 and he's grinding it out. And, and to the last day, talk about if if you have a chance. I, I was laughing. I was reading an article. Aaron Boone has given up, you know, on on uh, social media. And I laugh at these keyboard warriors that have no clue what Aaron Boone is made of. Aaron Boone's one of the biggest fighters I've ever seen. He's one of the most passionate kids I've ever been around. Uh if you give him a 1% chance, man, he's going to fight to the death for that 1%. Now, I, I look at the Yankees, and, and when I have a talk to him, you know, in the postseasons, the last few postseasons, I've told Aaron, I said, honestly, you're not as good as that team. You're not as good. A year ago, I said, you are not as good as the Houston Astros. Now, this is baseball, and anything can happen. And, of course, Brett, your brother, is definitely going to be pulling for you. Mm. But it's not going to surprise me if you lose. It surprised me if you beat him to be honest with you. Now, that's my honest analysis. Yeah. Um, what Aaron's going through right now, I, I, I try to make the, the moments light. Uh, I haven't talked to him for about a week or so. Uh, I kind of leave him alone. Usually he'll call me and I'm just there to support him. I know how hard this game is. We all do. Uh, I played on some great teams. I played on some teams that were tough. And I know this at the end of the 
<clears throat> at the end of on a, a handful of times in my life, and I played a lot of games. Do we sit around as players after the game and say, you know what, man, Skipper really screwed us tonight. That's why we lost the game. It doesn't happen. Players <laughs> win games. Players lose games. Managers manage games. They manage people. And sometimes I tease Aaron throughout the throughout the years that he's been in New York. When he goes through a tough run, I'll, I'll call him and I'll say, so you want to be the New York Yankees manager, do you? <laughs> there's a lot that comes with that. And we all know uh, that there's a lot of perks being the Yankee manager. Man, you win in New York one time. You got the key to the city. And that's what Aaron's striving for. And this year is not if you're an honest if you're an honest evaluator, if you're the you're a man of the game, you know the game, and you blame this year on Aaron Boone, you can't really have a conversation with me because you're at a different level. I, I look at that team and I look at a Garrett Cole at the top of the rotation. He's been a constant. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I look at a Severino. With an ERA north of eight. I've been waiting for Severino to be great for a long time. You get a Nestor Cortez miss most of the season. He came back, pitched a good game, and then he's back on the IL. You've got a Rodon that they invested a lot of money in this offseason. Has pitched horrible. He's back on the IL. Bullpen's great. Donaldson's been out at third base all year. LeMahieu hasn't had a good year. Aaron Judge missed two months with that collision with defense in L.A. Rizzo's out on, on concussion protocol. You lost your catcher who was the platinum glove winner a year ago. Bader's been in and out of the lineup. Stanton's hitting 200. And you say Aaron Boone stinks and he can't manage? You're kind of an uneducated baseball guy that that I can't. Now, you want to make the, the argument somebody's got to take the fall for it? I understand that. That happens in this game. Joe Torrey's one of the greatest managers of all time. But how was Joe Torrey looked at as a manager when he was in St. Louis in the early days? Oh, was he sure. the greatest? Was he the greatest? You got to have the horses. You got to have the players and then how you interact with them uh, on a human level, how you how you deal with those egos, how you give one guy a hug and you kick another guy in the butt to get the same result. That's where the great man. We're in it. We're in an era of data and analytics. And I embrace them. I man power is knowledge or I'm sorry. Knowledge is power. I would I part of me is jealous for not having, because I wanted every piece of Intel you could give me. Now I'll decipher that mm-hmm. and I'll use what I need and I'll discard what I discard. The great managers of the today, I think are the managers that use the data, use the technology we have to the best of their ability, but they also manage with their gut. And at, 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 at those tough times, those big decisions where anybody can just say, well, follow the computer. There's no greatness in that. There's a built-in answer. There's a built-in fall guy because, hey, sure. that's what the computer said. Can't, can't blame me. But if you want to be great, you got to manage with your gut in those times. And the great ones I was around threw everything out the window in certain times. It says, I'm going to trust what's in that man's heart. What, kind, what makes him tick? And I don't care if it's the third time around the lineup. My gut says that's the guy that's going to be yep. on the mound right now. I think the great ones have the ability to do that. Uh, Aaron definitely does, but but he's dealt this these cards this year. It's just not meant to be. You can't have that many injuries, that many key guys going down and having off years and still expect we're the New York Yankees. We win. That's what that's the big misnomer in today's game. Oh yeah. The people of New York, and this is nothing against New York. I love New York. I loved going. I wanted to play for New York uh 
by the time I finished my career, it didn't work out. It's my favorite city to go to. I love the fans getting on me, wearing me out. I love the expectations. But just to have that blanket, we're the Yankees. We expect to win the World Series. It's 2023. It's not 1947. That doesn't happen anymore. There's too much talent in this game. There's too much money in this game. And you can't just... uh, build a winner because Boston down the street, the LA Dodgers, there's a lot of teams that can spend a lot of money, the New York Mets. Mm-hmm. And that just doesn't necessarily mean you're a winner. And you got to get away from that old. I love having the expectations, man. That's what I want. Every year I expect to win. I expect to win the world series. That's a great mentality. I think Derek Jeter brought it to another level, but you also, there's a reality side to it, that this is major league baseball in 2023 at the highest level. And it's not as easy as it used to be when the Bambino was walking around to just <laughs> roll out and win world series. I think you should really <clears throat> baseball fans should really clutch on to some, some awesome times we've gone through recently. The, the, the Yankees of the late nineties winning four ranks. That's mm. unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Uh, what Bruce Bochy and the San Francisco Giants did, and, and I believe it was 10, 12, and 14. I may have got that wrong. Yeah. Those are unbelievably special times. As a city, you should embrace that and go. We just saw something that not too many people will ever see. So uh, I support Aaron. I wish him the best. I think this year is just what it is. Uh, and you can't win every year. And, no. and uh, realist, unrealistic expectations are put on you. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. If I'm managing, I want to be on the hot seat at all times. I want to be in the biggest city with the brightest lights and wake up. And if I'm not doing my job, I'm going to see it on page six. <laughs> but when I'm doing my job, the perks are going to be tenfold. Oh, yeah. So I tell them all the time, hang in there. I know it's t- it's easier said than done being your brother sitting here in San Diego going, wow, Aaron's having a tough time. But I love him. He knows that people that know him, they know what's what makes him tick. They know the knowledge that he has. They know the passion that he has, the love for his players. The players know that. And he's going to be just fine. It's just right now, he's probably ready for a vacation. <laughs> yeah, my two cents uh, is, is that, you know, Brett, I've always say, you know, this is an NBA. You don't run isolations for outfielders. In other words, you rarely is it where you have one player that means so much. But that Yankees team, the way that it's put together, when you took Judge out of it, that's that's the exception to the rule and that's that's a tough team to manage like if you have to rely that much on one guy or that guy looks a lot different the team looks a lot different with that guy on the lineup then that's a tough one so i'm i'm with you everything you said the last thing i don't i've been very generous with your time i appreciate it and the last thing is you're very good at this congratulations you're very you're a very good baseball player you're a very good podcaster you're very good in the media I want to ask you, being in the media, doing the podcasting, doing all the uh, this talking and analyze from this point of view, what is the thing that you didn't anticipate? So, you know, I cover Alex Cora a lot. He didn't spend his time at ESPN. He said, you know, there's a lot that he learned from that time that he didn't know was coming off of playing. Um, for you, what was the thing being in the media that you maybe didn't know? Well, at first, uh, and once again, this doesn't come from an ego-based opinion, but at first I think, you know, I've always been good in front of a camera, in front of a mic. Um, I can BS with the best of them. I did millions of interviews, you know. Uh, I was kind of the guy on those early 2001 team or those early 2000 Mariner teams. I kind of took the the lead that the guys would come to me, good, bad, 
good, bad, and different. And I answered the bell and I had a great relationship with the press. Uh, that being said, and so, so for me going into it, this will be simple. Give me a mic, give me a camera. Uh, yeah, I'll go to town. A lot of little nuances, a lot of <clears throat> when, when you just want to talk about setting up interviews, doing podcasts, man, I was a fish out of water. I had a lot to learn. I didn't realize that the work that goes into it, the tedious work behind the scenes, the preparation. Um, and here's the biggest thing. When you, when you book a podcast, let's say uh, we have a guest Tuesday, that's going to go out Wednesday. And uh, I, I was guilty of this as a player. You know, I would set up, people would, would formulate an interview with me. Hey, Brett, we have to Tuesday at noon. That's fine. Now, something happened Tuesday morning. Family-wise, we, I'd call it 10 at, can't do it today. Let's book it till tomorrow. And everybody was always nice. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. But now I know what really goes on. You know, if my Tuesday guest, something happens, something comes up and I don't have them, I don't have a guest for Wednesday. <laughs> and now I'm like, all right, I got to find a guest. So I make a phone call. That guest that was kind of my fill in guest says, I'd love to be on the podcast, but I'm in Cabo. Can I do it next week? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know, so those are, the, those are the nuances. I've really come to appreciate this side of the microphone having a show. Uh, man, it's tough. And I have an appreciation now for for people that have been in the media yourself for a long time. And it's like it's not that easy. There's a lot of times after a game. Uh, I know those guys don't want to go in the clubhouse and ants ask me a stupid question, but that's their job and they have to do it. You know, I always tried to 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 do that as a player. I always took you into consideration of the media. Said, you know what? You've got a job to do, too. Yeah, you don't want to be here right now. I went over <laughs> five and 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 I'm you know, I dropped the ground ball in the third inning and we lost again. I know you don't want to ask me that, but you have to. And I and I don't have to answer you, but I feel as a as a player in, in a position I am, uh, depending on the team, the year, uh, I have an obligation to answer this to the fans that that come out and support me. Therefore, I had a great relationship with the press and the and pretty good with the cities I lived in. The fans were pretty darn good and embraced me pretty well. So th those are the little things, I guess. That I know that's a long story. No uh, man, like you're you're shorter. you're scratching right where I itch. <laughs> but it yeah, it's. Man, there's a lot of work. It's like, you know, I'll get a call and we're going to go on in Boston to do a breakdown of the Red Sox. Well, I haven't watched the Red Sox in three days, so I got to go back in and, and put something together because I got 12 minutes to really thrill them. So the little things like that, but it's also something, you know, now that I've got on this side of it, uh, it gives me something to do. I wake up in the morning, I have a purpose, and it's like, all right, and you want to talk about you want to talk about the Kansas City Royals? That's fine. You want to talk about the Minnesota Twins farm system? Well, I got a little intel on that, you know, whereas before <clears throat> when I was just before I started doing this, you'd ask me about anything baseball and there was a blind spot because I yeah. really wasn't in tune with it. Now I'm in tune with it. I watch three or four games a day, maybe sometimes on fast forward, but I do watch them and I'm up to date and I can and I can talk about these things and I can I you can you can tell the Garcia kid from Texas. You can talk about him. He, he's got 30 home runs. And I've got a recollection because I've seen him have 50 at bats this year and I know what a beast he is. You know, I, I've watched Marcus Simeon and then we'll go to Kansas City and and talk about how those guys are doing. And I have a feel for it because I'm watching it. So I'm back in, in the, the game. I love the game. I played the game that's been a huge part of my life. I'm enjoying it. Uh, but I've but believe me, this process has been. <laughs> 
you know, I don't want to use humbling too much, but it's been a learning process. You know, you think you know it all. And it's like, wow, no, I have a lot more to learn down to the breathing, doing these doing these interviews. It's like uh, well, you got to control your breath. Good. You got to control your breath. <laughs> well, first of all, you're really good at it. And I can relate to a ton of what you're saying. And I would just say this, too. For me, this is my own thing. I like learning stuff like this is the thing I've learned a lot from this conversation. I learned a lot from we had Mike Monaco of ESPN on yesterday about the Little League World Series. You know, I, I learned a lot from, you know, if Pitching Ninja comes on, whatever. Like, I learned a lot from – and this is the thing about baseball. When you're following one team, you learn about that team. But I've learned so much, like so much from, from talking to so many people. So, anyway, you were the latest one, and it's been an absolute pleasure. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You're doing an awesome job. Um, and, uh, man – just keep it up, man. You're you're a star. You're a star. Rob, I appreciate it, man. It's a pleasure coming on. And uh, yeah, good conversation. One thing I didn't mention. Yeah. Getting on this side of the mic, one of the big things is I've learned to listen. You got to listen to your guest. Mm. You know, at the, at the beginning, you have all your questions and your and your interviews formulated. and you, They finish an answer and you're on to the next question. No, there might be a counterpoint to his point. So I've learned to listen to it's like, well, listen. that's the great thing about honestly, Brett, the podcast compared to like if you like you do radio hits too. podcasts are better because it can be a conversation more than right. more than anything. So yeah, that's the goal. That's the yeah. goal. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, man. You got it. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.